Welcome to the Motion Podcast, an Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio special edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. Yes. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy this one. <laughs> this one so the, I got. <laughs> hang on. Can we just quickly just remind remind us of how you ended up with this? Because did you not phone up to see if they had a panda on the press fleet yes, or something? Yes, yes. What, what I actually inquired about was a Fiat Panda, preferably the 4x4, if that was at all possible. But they said, no, they didn't have that. Oh, I said. And then we we had further discussions, and I ended up with the uh, Julia Four Cheese, which is uh, I don't think I lost out on that at all. No. Alan thinks I, uh, he lost out on that massively, big time. Yes, but you did have the Stelvio Four Cheese, so no, it wasn't a Four Cheese. I thought it was a Four Cheese. It, no, it was the Edizione Milano, ah. and it was a two point oh, two. Yes, yes, it was yes, a two point yes. two diesel. Yes, you had the the green with the. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. With the black, but should have been tan leather interior. But exactly. anyway, that's a different Alfa Romeo. That's about a year ago. <sighs> yes, almost. Tell us about this loveliness. Yeah, I had this vehicle just before the midlife update came out. So some of the things that I experienced are no longer what you can buy brand new. However, if you are in the nearly new market this will actually be quite applicable to you okay the car came with a 510 horsepower from its turbocharged v6 which all went through an eight-speed automatic gearbox and that provided 600 newton meters of the torques at 2500 revs per minute and this is rear-wheel drive only isn't it rear-wheel drive only yes okay right so all through the back wheels. Exactly. So the Julia range starts with a 200 horsepower, uh, two litre petrol engine super, which begins money wise at £34,995, goes through the Sprint, the Lusso, the Veloci, and ultimately to the Four Cheese, because I am still unable after spending a day of trying to pronounce the the proper name. Well, I had enough trouble in the start of the, <laughs> in, in the title. So apologies to Alfa Romeo, but I just cannot say it. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> but there we go. So the Julia is a four-door saloon. It rivals the likes of the Audi A4, the Jaguar XE, 3 Series, BM, and the Mercedes C-Class to give you an idea of where it sits in these things. Mm -hmm. To get the full-fat version that I had, they start at £67,195 on the road. But this was a press car, so there was just one or two extras. And it came in at only £74,430. It wasn't even that... It didn't even have that many extras. That's no, the thing. They no. just... They were the big money extras. Yes, when I go through the details, you will, you will gasp. <laughs> maybe definitely one of them, maybe more, but all of them made perfect sense. However, I'm not sure I, if it was my own cash I'd be spending that. It would depend on the monthlies, as we know. Mm -hmm. And talking of monthlies, I did a quick Google and went through a few options of what you could do on a PCP. And if you threw down a deposit of 6,000, and this is very precise, by the way, 6,760 pounds and 22 pence for 10... As you do, that just <laughs> yes, trips off the top. Exactly. I mean, that, that's the figure I'm always thinking of. Uh, and you limit to just 10,000 miles per year, which would be massive at the moment. <laughs> uh, that equals 750 pounds a month 
And then if you've got to look at tax-wise, after the first year, the tax is £475. Not so bad. No. Not so bad at all. So what colours, then? Right. Uh, the colours it comes in. I will start with the less, the least car taxi, uh, the colour taxi version. So you start with Alpha Red, which is a solid red for no pounds. Yay! Then, according, when you go through the configuration tool, you get to Competizione Red, which is what the car came in. And that is a tricoat metallic red at only, brace yourselves, everyone, £2,500. <laughs> It's very nice red. It is, but wow. <laughs> hey, come on, it's better than what's coming up next. Okay, then you've got the Trofeo White, which is a tricoat metallic white at £2,150. Oh. <laughs> uh, then we get into the more expected range of prices. So you get Mizano Blue, which is a bright metallic blue at £695. The Monte Carlo Blue, which is a quite a dark metallic blue, again just under £700. Silverstone Grey, which is silver. Uh, Vesuvio Grey, which is a quite a dark metallic grey. Then you get Volcano Black, which is metallic black. Uh, and all of those are uh, £695. My preference would be either the Competizione Red, uh, if I could stand the price. Mm -hmm. If not, then the Misano Blue, I think, looks really nice. One because it's unusual to see uh, Julia in that in that shade, but I think it really suits the car as well. And yep, not grey. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's and I, like a... I do love a grey. You know, I love a grey. But hmm. no, come on. Let's. We've got the option to do some nice colours there. You might as well have chosen something German if you're just going to choose uh, grey. Exactly. Exactly. So this is a four door saloon. With uh, a small rear wing, which is slightly accentuated on the outer portion. So it's like it's in thirds. The two outer thirds, the slightly raised lip, and then it drops down in the middle, which I presume is either aero or design or a mix of aero and design. <laughs> and I'm not sure which, though. I would imagine it's the middle, it's the last one. Yes. There's four exhaust pipes out the back, which always pleases the child in me and the the overall stances are sort of low meaningful maybe even leaning a little bit towards menacing but not too much not too much stance mm. which overall i think is uh, i think the car looks cracking i really do do you remember i was about to say i think i know what you're going to say i'm about to say that when it first came out i was very dismissive of the design Yes, you scathing even. Come on, we weren't for a long time. Uh, well, you know, five years ago when we started, that the, this was when it was first being announced. Really, is is coming soon, and it was coming soon and coming soon and coming soon. And we didn't actually believe that it would ever be possible to buy this car. No, we didn't at that point. Well, even just to buy a cooking Julia. So we've had there is a, a fair amount of humble cheese being being eaten in this yes i'm, I'm quite happy to as well having mm. experienced two versions now i'm I'm very happy that don't start with me after the cars you've had and i i i didn't so that i think it overall we even out mm. yeah maybe <laughs> on the jealousy front <laughs> we're just about even out <laughs> but yes i definitely i i was happy to pile in on the looks and everything but 
now I've seen more around because we've got we've even in my grim small northern town we've got a couple um, that drive around that I see every day, which I'm very happy that I do. I think it's got a great look and it's it's distinctive. I mean, the the front end is dominated by that alpha triangular grille, but it's it's not done in like a sort of pastiche. It all works. No. Mm-hmm. It all fit with the, with the front end and how the rest of the car, how the rest of the car works as well. So you've got the like the narrow lights in the corner of the front as well, and that just it, it's got a different look. You definitely know it's not one of the German premium brands, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you have to you have to really stand out if you're going to try and compete. Mm-hmm. with those speaking of german premium brands though it does have a couple of slashy bits down the side it does but they're not it's not as many as others out there that we mm-hmm. know and they're not perhaps as crisp as some mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's one particular uh section down the side where it, it, it there's a couple of lines that flow out from an air vent just behind the front wheel arches but I, again in that car Knowing what it's meant to represent, I think it works really well. Yes, well, it does actually. You know, it's meant to represent some form of ventilation. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so it's there because yes, not because they have a machine. Mm-hmm. But th- yeah. this this car sat on nineteen inch dark five hole alloys, and that's the official name with very yellow brake calipers. I mean, incredibly yellow brake calipers. <laughs> <laughs> which was quite a contrast to the rest of the colour of the car. So were they, the brakes, were they uh, carbon fibre or not? No. Or were they... No, ventilated they were just discs. Ventilated. St- steel. Yep. Steel ventilated discs. I, I really like brake coloured calipers, like that, especially where you've got a wheel that you can see them through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you can really sort of admire the brakes. It's not as if you've got this massive brake coloured caliper and then you've gone for the sort of disc coloured covered wheel. It really is a whole sort of Yeah, I mean the the, the dark five hole hole alloys were very evocative of some traditional alpha alloys where there's the, the you know, the those when you someone mentions an alpha alloy, you are thinking of those hold ones, and it was mm. it was along those lines. So it really all worked very well with the car. Cool. Uh, one thing I will note that whenever there are a couple of side roads when I'm doing just normal pottering around that I come out of that are very busy roads, but every time I pulled up to the junction, someone let me out, mm-hmm. and that's monstrously rare for that to happen. So. I took that as a very positive for the look of the Alpha. Uh-huh. And this wasn't just from people who were clearly petrol heads or anything, but this was just from everybody. There was a full full gambit of society that were <laughs> expressing in a very uh in a very public way their thoughts on the car is how I took it. <laughs> you can you can run with that one, Alpha. You can run with that. <laughs> yeah. Totally. My non scientific survey. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Being scientific, though, do we start at the boot? Of course we start at the boot. Everybody knows we start at the boot. Why would you start anywhere else? Exactly. As that is our want with the show, the opening isn't hugely massive. It's slightly tapered as it comes in from the rear wings. And it's a mm. little bit high up on the on the car because the bumper's quite tall. But having said that, it is easy to get stuff in and out. I, mean, I put a few suitcases in and things like that a couple of times and 
you know, shopping and things like that. There was no real hassle. What I will say is there are no curry hooks. However, behind the rear wheel arch on the passenger side of the vehicle, there is sort of one of those cubby bins that you could put mm. like a four pint of milk or a couple of bottles of wine or something like that. So they wouldn't be flung, flung around, uh, around the, the flat boot floor. The boot is fairly large. I mean, it's got a capacity of 480 litres, which isn't bad with the seats up. I have no idea what it is with the seats down because Alfa Romeo don't officially tell you what that figure is. I'm quite surprised that the rear seats fold, actually, uh, even on this, because normally you'll find that there's a whole load of bracing or something behind the back seats in the performance models. Not only do they fold, but they fold in really quite a, a good way because it's 40-20-40. So you oh, can right. get really quite specific and adaptable and practical with your folding of seats if you need to, which... Uh, was an unexpected bonus. Mm-hmm. So if we move around to where the rear passengers get in, if you are not a child, you are going to have to be a little bit careful going in because the roof line does taper and so does the uh, the door opening uh, as it slopes down um, towards the seat area. So you just, just need to think about that if you're uh, a grown-up getting in. Um, mm-hmm. The outer seats are comfy, and there's there's plenty of legroom with you know you're not booting the people in front and all the rest of it. But the middle passenger seat will have to contend with the really quite intrusive transmission tunnel. It's pretty high. It I, it comes to just under the bottom of the seat. Hmm. That happens to be a rear-wheel drive saloon car challenge. That one. exactly. So it, it's not unique. But just something to bear in mind if you are having to take three passengers in the back mm. anywhere for any length of time on a regular basis. Also, because the car was kitted out with black Alcantara and leather finish to the seats, the black rear of the front seats, the black carpets, the black roof lining, the heavily tinted side windows that aren't exactly over generous in their glazing acreage. It was a little bit dark inside the car. <laughs> Sorry, so was it too dark that the optional uh, green and white stitching on the upholstery didn't didn't lift it quite enough? Not in the back, no. No. No, in the front where the sunlight could penetrate, then yes, you did notice it. <laughs> right, so up front, talking of the price on the road, <laughs> here's one of the optional extras. The car I had had the uh, Sparco carbon shell sports seats at only 3,250 of the pounds. But they look so good. They do look so good, and they are so comfortable. I mean, I can't compare them to the non-carbon shell sports seats, so I don't know if they are worth the extra premium on top, but my goodness, the amount of carbon fibre weave that was visible... But it does mean that you you do have to stand there with the rear door, passenger doors open, to look at them, to acknowledge how wonderful they are. If I had the money, I would spec them. (laughs) Okay, just because. Just because. Okay, that's fair enough. Because they look wonderful. Like I say, they were so supportive, so comfortable. And I, I did, there was a couple of journeys I did where I was in the car for a long time because I didn't want to get out. And at no point was I... Do I fidgeting or trying to shuffle or anything like that? There was you. There are no number moments in this car with those mm-hmm. seats. So yeah, if I if I could swallow it in the monthly price because there's no way I've got 
75 grand sitting about not doing anything, then I I would probably go for those seats as well. Yeah. Right. The passenger and the driver can easily adjust their seats to make sure they're comfy as possible anyway. As the driver, I got to sit and look at the fabulous steering wheel. How fabulous? It has a starter button on it. That's so pointless. I don't care. <laughs> I can push a button on the wheel and the engine goes... Yes, I know, please. that bit I like. Yes, That please. bit I like. <laughs> but then you've got, behind that, you've got the classic alpha dash for the driver. Uh, so you've got your twin binnacle tunnels. On the left-hand side was for the revs, and on the right is for the speed. In between them was one of the, what is become uh, expected these days in cars, is a digital display revealing all sorts of info that you can cycle through to get to whatever it is you're particularly after, such as the trick computer, the gear the car's in, instant MPG, directions on the sat-nav, speed in number format, blah, 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 Exactly blah. the same as the, as the Stelvio I had. Yes, exactly. And... Overall, the dash is quite minimal in appearance. There's, It's a nice sweep across the dashboard. There is the screen. There are a couple of bits of switchgear knobs and buttons, but it's not, it's not a button fest by any stretch of the imagination. And the switchgear is pretty much all that you need, in my opinion. So it's got mm-hmm. your heater controls that you can either the front passenger or you can mess with your particular settings. You've got the infotainment system with it because that's all within the uh, 8.8 inch screen that's just to the left of the rev counter and it's slightly tilted towards the driver as well. But it's not a touch screen. It's uh, no. you've got a twiddly knob. Yes, you do have a twiddly knob that is behind the drive selector. It's not really a gear lever anymore because it's an automatic. So the drive selector, <laughs> um, it, it very much like the Mazda way of dealing with a, or used to be the Mazda way of dealing with a mm-hmm. their infotainment system that you've got to do it through a rotary dial and that makes so much sense and is so easy to use i I just feel that's one of the safest ways to to do it i think one of the best executions out there that i've found up to now is to use the rotary dial i I found it was a little weird in the alpha one though i did find that you were twiddling quite a lot and you had to get your directions just right and you're shifting just right i find it was a, a bit of a footer whereas with the master one you can at least reach up and touch it whenever you're stuck yes as long as as long as you as long as you're stopped yeah then Hmm. then the the master one will allow you to do that and yeah it but i think that's just a case of getting used to the operating systems if that was your car you wouldn't notice it within a week or two i'm sure no probably not exactly having the keys thrown at you on a friday evening and then having to drive up to north wales in the dark and then go right understand this yeah that's going to be a little bit more of a faff (laughs) (laughs) below the integrated screen that's got the so that's got the infotainment system it's got the sat nav apple carplay that sort of thing again as you would expect i just want to say that this worked every time i connected my phone up to it through the USB cable because I've seen other reviews and I've heard other people comment that they've had trouble with theirs. I never experienced that at all. So I don't know whether they just were unlucky with their software or whether it, whatever happened, but I didn't get that problem. Mm -hmm. And I think there are plenty of vehicles out there that have slight glitches in connecting up to Apple CarPlay's and stuff. 
and you yeah. will see plenty of that if you search it on Twitter. So I would not consider that an alpha issue particularly. So below the digital display, there's two air vents, then you get the heater controls, you've got the USB charging point, and then you're into the transmission tunnel, which has got uh, two drink holders, the gear lever drive selector thingy, and then you've got the three dials behind it. On the left-hand side are the audio controls, so that's just a quick dash around to fast-forward to increase the volume, that sort of stuff. Uh, On the right-hand side is the driving mode, um, which I'll go into when we get to uh, the drive driving section. And in the middle, as Alan has uh, discussed already, is how you operate the infotainment screen. Then there's an armrest behind that, and under inside the cubby hole in there is the is where it's got a little symbol of where you're supposed to deposit the key. Although that's changed on the latest model, there is a slot for the key now, just behind the cup holders, uh, further up in the dash, uh, because. If you put it exactly where it says in the cubby holder, it then bounces all around that cubby holder if there's nothing else in there, funnily enough. <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's the four cheese version, so you drive it perhaps a little bit more enthusiastically than others. I tend to just keep it in my pocket, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And then also in that cubby hole, you've got uh, more connecting points. So there's a 12-volt uh, charger. There's a USB and an AUX um, uh, connector in there as well. Cool. Materials in the pre-facelift were mainly leather um, with some plastics and a small amount of brushed metal, but then there is a fair amount of carbon fibre. Um, again, because having those seats as well up front, there was even more than you would typically get. Uh, you know, if you don't spec that that option, then there is there is less of the carbon fibres visible. Also, uh, Alan again has mentioned this, there's the white and green stitching that's around the edges of the leather. Because we're in the full fat version, it's representing the colours that are in that four-leaf clover that's the symbol. So Mm -hmm. there are a couple of little badges around the cabin, but it's it's not overdone. I will say the whole thing, including the exterior, is quite underplayed, which I liked. Underplayed? Yes, I think so. It's not like it had a huge, massive wing on the outside, and it's not like that at every point possible there was a four-leaf clo- white okay, leaf right. I'll just get, plonked yes. in, you know, oh, here's one for the air All vents, right. here's one yes. on the gear lever, here's one, you know, just stitched Sorry, in. Sorry, I'll give you that. Sorry, I was just thinking of the exhaust note and all oh, of that kind no, no, of thing, no, no, which not. absolutely does not count as underplayed, but no. we're about to get to that because you're about to start talking about driving. I, I am purely talking about the visuals. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I will give you that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so long-time listeners, we're going to go into... We're talking of driving, I'm going to move on to that now, but long-time listeners will remember that I had the super version with a 200-horsepower, 2-litre petrol engine that was very nearly my car of the year for 2018. So my expectations were pretty high, to say the least, of how mm. well I thought this car should drive. This has got a 50-50 weight distribution. The power is immense, you know, 510 horsepower through the rear wheels of a saloon. I don't care that there are some out there that have more than that. That's still a lot in my book. Is it sufficient? Yes, adequate. (laughs) Adequate. That's the one. (laughs) 
Sorry. Uh, the ch- channeling Rolls Royce. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the tyres are reasonably wide. The brakes are excellent as well as being... Did Have I mentioned how they're yellow? They are excellent. The steering is just sublime. You, but what it did, and it's almost ruined other cars for me because it's made me realise how neutral slash dull most other cars have been set up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no. I mean, I'm very happy I've experienced it, but then it's like, oh, no, now I have to go back to my car, <laughs> which is not that way. <laughs> I, I used to have that problem with the MX-5. No matter what I get in, got into, it didn't feel like the MX-5. Mm. And you get back in, you turn the steering wheel, it's like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> when it's when steering's just right, it really is just, it makes such a difference. Uh, it was Ridiculously. It, it was remarkable how, I, I think that's one of the first cars that the steering has made such a, is, has blown me away. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, you always feel that it's just, you know, like the, the tread shuffle yeah. club. Yeah. Wittering on about something which normal people can't feel. Yeah, and then when a Luddite like me does it, it's, oh, yes, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I got you. Um, so I took this car to North Wales because that's what I like to do when I get a slightly spicy car. So I drove through some grotty town roads, dual carriageways, flowing A roads, incredible B roads, and I'm not telling you where they are, and everything in between. I just didn't want to stop. I really didn't. I had he to also, stop once for petrol, unfortunately. <laughs> he also accidentally visited his parents. Yes, I did. <laughs> but the car was just so much fun. It really was. Uh, it was just so precise, and you developed this faith in it that I would come up to a corner on roads I knew really well, admittedly, but I knew exactly how it was going to behave. Uh, Very quickly, I got to the point where I'm not worried about how the car's going to react when I come up to here at this speed, because I know it will do what I'm expecting it to do. So I can drive at a speed, which means that I'm not going to catch it out, and it's not going to catch me out, Mm -hmm. which, again, is quite a... It, it's not often you do that. There are often when we're testing these cars, we're having to make compromises and adjustments. But I became very comfortable with this car very quickly. I don't know what else to say to that. I'm sorry. No, it, but it, it, I feel something was required. No, no. It's, it, it, I just found it remarkable that way. And I know I'm gushing an awful lot here. And I, apologies to anyone who's looking for me to say something bad about the car. But... To date, I'm struggling to say anything significantly bad about the car. <laughs> to the point where I, recently on Twitter, I I asked, oh, is there any decent sounding V6 engines out there? Because there, there was something put out about a V6 and people were going, oh, isn't that great? And I was listening to whatever vehicle it was. thinking, well, I mean, it's of note, but I don't think it's nice. And I totally forgot that this was a V6. It's that powerful. It sounds that incredible as well i mean there is it's frankly intoxicating and i will never ever get bored of pushing the go pedal quite hard and listening to what comes out of the four exhausts first time i ever saw one in real life out in the road it was actually in geneva at motor time and it was before they were out out 
properly. Mm. I don't even know if they've been properly press launched. But there was one was in the middle of Geneva. The driver came to this this quite tight junction. He was obviously showing off to mates in the car or colleagues in the car. And he just nailed it round this sharp thing. And it would just, it just basically the rear went round and that exhaust between the narrow buildings. He's just as well there were no Swiss police around because they would have <laughs> naturally taken umbrage at people doing something quite so interesting. Yes. It just sounds amazing. Mm. Uh, between buildings like that is even, even better. Well, if you happen to come. Uh, along the North Wales coast, there are one or two tunnels you have to travel through. Some of them do have speed restrictions, so you may need to slow down slightly before you mm. um, you get up to whatever the speed limit is for those. But if you wind down the window, even at the slower speeds, it's... Are those the ones out towards Conway and stuff? Yeah, and then going yeah. beyond. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, it's just, oh, there's some... Yeah, you, you get full value at that point. Mm-hmm talking of things that were perhaps slightly on the downside or could be considered to be towards the downside and that's the um, fuel usage so the WLTP range is between 27.2 and 26.4 miles to the gallon which when you consider this is a full fat snarling variety especially if you push on I think that's incredible. Yes, but that's the W. Yeah, that's the WLTP. So, that's the so it's w- relatively reasonable. Yeah, it's re- going to be relatively realistic. That's pretty good. I can easily get my car down to that. I managed to get it to twenty six point one, and I'd been on a few fun drives, shall we say? Yeah, to be that close to the range, I was I was really impressed with. Just remember, I mean, I, and I offer this as a point of comparison. The, the GRMN, uh, my f- whole life average is only 33 miles per gallon, and I do more motorway work and less driving like a nutter than you did in that week. So I still think that's really good. Yeah. If you had been sub-25, getting down towards 20, then it would be... But no, I, I think that's that's on par with what my Infinity used to be. I don't think that's too bad at all. And bear in mind... I never put it into advanced efficiency. Death. So I'll talk about that now. So Alfa Romeo has got um, some suspension and engine modes, and that's the right-hand dial behind the gear lever. You start with race, which I put in once, so I could say <laughs> I've been in race, and then I never put it in again because this was when roads were damp and cold, and I didn't wish to die or dent the press car. <laughs> I don't have a track I can use and I don't have the skill to sort of just make the back end kick out and things like that. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to be a responsible driver. I am not a driving god. No, absolutely not. And then it moves round on the dial to D, then N, and finally A. So race, when you put it in the race, that activates the supercharging and strengthens its exhaust, so it makes it louder. And it's activates base- the supercharging. This is a bi-turbo. Yes. Well, that's what it says in their information. It says it activates the supercharging. Oh, okay. Fair enough. And it makes it louder, and it's basically for racetracks. Mm-hmm. Dynamic increases the brake and steering uh, sensitivity and makes it more sporty. Okay. That's where I left it. Did you? Yes. And it left your teeth in, uh, not your fillings in place, all these problem. kind of things? When okay, I wanted cool. to go, it would go. When I drove just normally, it was fine. Mm. Absolutely fine. Okay. Then you've got uh, natural, 
which makes the suspension slightly more comfortable for a more pliable ride. And then, as I mentioned before, you've got advanced efficiency, which deactivates some of the cylinders and basically means that you don't use as much fuel. Hmm. So if I was going on a long run, that's what I would do. If you you were going to do the, from back in the before times, when you would descend into an an, an airport and try Hmm. to get home late at night, you would throw it in advanced efficiency and it wouldn't be a bother. Okay. Okay. As it is, uh, seems to be de rigueur with ours, there is there is one slight grumble. And I'm going to echo Alan's grumble when he had the Stelvio, and that is the massive flappy paddles <laughs> behind the wheel, which would get in the way sometimes when you were trying to hit one of these stalks. They do look lovely, though, and I'm they, sure that they've they got more use. They feel fantastic. There is a lovely weight to them. Mm. Uh, and they have clearly been expensively milled or however they've been formed, but they are they Cast. are lovely. But I just make them a little bit smaller so I can get to the indicators, please. Yeah, I'm sure if you're on track and you are in race mode and you are a driving god, they would be absolutely perfect. Oh, yeah. But for us plebs on the road, mostly leaving it in an automaticness. They, they are a wee bit OTT, but they do look so good. Yes. you can. I, and again, with practice, I've got quite large hands, so I can kind of reach around stuff like that. But with practice, you, you learn to stop knocking them whenever you're trying to hit the... You do adjust. Uh, and this that is very much a, um, a motoring journalist who only has the car for a week moan. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just... Just a fraction smaller, guys. That'll yeah. be fine. So tech-wise, other than uh, massive bi-turbo... 2.9 litre V6, massively powerful by turbo. Then, what is there any particularly special tech? Well, no, it's more the stuff that we've come to expect as consumers and the the type that Euro NCAP and Thatcham dictate when it comes to safety side of things. So you've got uh, helpful things like the front and rear parking sensors uh, and a reversing camera. And that was really helpful because you can't see the back out the... Uh, you can't see the... your where your boot drops out the back because of you know just the way it's designed and the front of the car does drop off again you don't you're not exactly sure where the front of the bumper is so you you don't mm-hmm. want to get too close to bollards and things like that so the, these sensors just help that out and just make life easier for you it's got the autonomous emergency braking i never tested that thankfully blind spot monitoring so in your mirrors that just get a little warning that someone's there uh, rear cross path detection so if you're trying to reverse out of a parking space you don't hit pedestrians and cars it's that sort of stuff is what you're looking at the mm. latest model has added a few extra bits of tech so they've got lane keeping assist now intelligent speed control and driver attention assist amongst other things but you um to be fair alfa romeo's own page on the julia four cheese is very good and explains the tech they've got in there in very clear and it makes it clear that they're driver assist as well which is mm-hmm. pleasing to see that's pretty good so verdict summary yeah more summary i think everyone knows the verdict I think we're, we know the verdict you loved it you absolutely loved I it. i did i was i was so gutted that it had to go back <laughs> but what a car this is i mean i I'd, I'd seen other people say this and you see that uh, and you go but is it though is it or are people just going oh well it's alpha so we're hoping it's good so therefore we'll say it's good and if we say it enough times it'll happen 
But no, in this case, it really is true. All the reviews you've read about how special the Julia is are bob on. It's wonderful. Such a fantastic car. If you've listened to the previous review about the sport, you knew how that made me smile while I was driving it and afterwards. This one just made me laugh, and I just never wanted to get out of the car. I just, I just didn't. I just wanted to drive and drive and keep driving because it was so fun. It was so exhilarating, not in a "oh my god, I'm going to die" type way, but it was just, it was just a joy to drive. And so many of our journeys are not joys; <laughs> they're, they're a trudgery. And but this was, it was just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And and what it did is it made me just made me feel that thankfully you can still have fun saloons because they've not been legislated out and it isn't where only the tech is making the car work and it's all about technology and the sounds this uh, if you can hear this this engine and these exhausts combined you will understand what i'm talking about and whilst we on this podcast are not averse to technology and electric vehicles and all the rest of it sound can make a heck of a difference to a car as we as we all know and i think we need to enjoy them the cars that make a sound whilst we still have them because a ripping v6 is not going to be our soundtrack in 10 15 years for most modern cars so no, let's enjoy agreed. it where we can. By the way, we were talking about price right at the start. Whilst we've been speaking, I may or may not have been flicking through the interwebs. Uh, you can get them from about 40 grand from reputable sources uh, if they've got some miles. And you can even get six grand off new ones, by the way. So that's going to save you your seats. Ah, and the paint. Seats. Well, that one there has there's one which is six thousand six hundred off and that has the seats the paint and it has the exposed carbon fiber weave roof oh and there's a misiano blue one which is a six thousand pound saving which is quite a bit cheaper too but it doesn't have the seats okay just in case anybody happens to have a spare 66 to seventy three thousand pounds in their pocket and they don't want to buy something german <laughs> and they don't want to buy something german then then yes you can Stuff is available on well-known car websites. Excellent. I just wanted to see how much the used ones were because it was a bit of a hmm moment. But no, it's still too much. Anyway, on which note, having been infected by Andrew's enthusiasm and thankfully nothing else, then don't forget, folks, that between now and the next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, if people want to enthuse along with you, what's the best way to get in touch? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If they search for Crack Windscreen, they'll find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get perhaps your uh, formulas for man maths, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? <laughs> Uh, the best way uh, is by Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-I-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, as I say, we'll be back before very long. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.